Welcome to Real Talk Christian Podcast, where we drink coffee and have real conversations on faith, culture, and society. This is Mark Hyde. And Chris Fuller. And today, we're actually going back to our roots a little bit with this conversation, Fuller. We're going to go back and have a conversation with one of the first conversations we ever had at the coffee shop, asking the question, has the church become too corporate? And not just corporate, but systematized. Fuller, you ready? Let's Let's go. What's up, yes, good sir? sir? What's going on today? Our mics are just slightly loud, so I'm going to turn them down just a oh, little bit. But you know, I was trying to figure out a good good topic for this conversation. I went, you know what, man? We need to go back to one of the first conversations that we ever had yeah, at that the was... coffee shop. And now this conversation isn't specifically, is student ministry biblical? But that was one of the first conversations we ever had. Yeah, it was. Like, that was one of the first. That was the legit, the first Starbucks conversation. And we talked about what's the purpose of student ministry, how should it be designed, should we even have our kids in the public schools or not? Like, What situations should we put them in? Absolutely. Because remember we talked about, uh, uh, we're jumping the episode really fast, apparently. Um, We we talked about the the idea of as teenagers are we launching them out to come back and talk about it or is it boot camp where we're we're training 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 you're not ready to go out and shoot the gun yet right like you got to learn the stuff first right you got to go through you got to go through boot camp and then ait and then we'll send you off to war but speaking of teenagers good fuller you know we've been having a lot of fun in the facebook community now this is a couple months since we've had these fun conversations of um me and beth also um, making fun of me for for my my young conversations of I stuck, slang terms and I, stuff like that, but bro, I stuck up for you. You sure did. I, I stuck up for and you I after your wife said you. no. <laughs> but because like, I mean, we were talking about you know the beige flags. I'm like, hey, I taught something new because fellows get old, and she's like, shut up and sit down. You're getting old too. And I'm like, wow. And then I was like, what, what did I say? Something like, no, we call it seasoned or something like that. <laughs> something like that. And so so Beth had to jump on the good old Facebook group and put your boy back in his place. So and then I posted. <laughs> A, 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 a meme with uh, George from Seinfeld talking about how I feel when I use terms like, like in a, a handful of slang terms or whatever. So we're having a whole lot of fun with that. Yeah, and that's what—that's the one I said. I'm still waiting for fire to come back. Absolutely. Which side note? I I think it is. I think it, I think it's. I think that's fire is on its way back. Which fun that fact? Did you le- know? What is legit coming back? That's what I. Oh, right. When we're forty, yeah. we should not be using any of those words. Yo, dog, that's the legit man. That's fire right there. When, when when my skinny jeans are supposed to be, you know, disappear. That's when that price should wow. disappear too. But so, but you know, I've you know, I actually didn't know like that phrase of like, yo, that's fire. I actually didn't know that one. What? Until I was in my early twenties. Wow. And you ready for this? Adam Taylor said it, and I said, "What did you just say?" He goes, "I'm like, that's fire." He goes. Yeah, you don't dude, know this that's, one? That's awesome. That's cool. I know. I'm, and I think Adam's like, I don't know, maybe six, seven years older than me. But I'm like, nah, dude, we used to say, that's sick. Like, that was for us. Like, yeah. that's sick. And yeah, then it I turned into, that. that's dope. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Dope. When, when people started coming up with, that's dope, I was and like, And then it turned into, that you know, that phase. slaps, that claps, that's popping. Yeah, Which, side nope. note, I probably got the best compliment the other day on one of my websites because yeah. someone said, yo, man, that new church website's slapping. To the church staff who's in their 60s. And then they message that to me. And I'm like, you're welcome. They said that it's us. You're welcome. And I think it's derogatory. Could you fix that? But so in honor of the Gen Z terms, we've been just slapping around with beige flags and other things. I have here with me, guys, a list that Fuller has not seen. I'm a little I'm and a little worried. We are going to play a game together of how old is Fuller? What we're going to do is I'm going to read a... 
That joke wasn't funny. <laughs> that was awesome. We're gonna play. How old is Fuller? How old are you, Sabrina? So I'm going to say some Gen Z terms, and I want you to tell me their definitions. Uh, okay. Now some of these are not really Gen Z terms because we use some of these too. But either way, I think I'm you're scared. gonna do okay. I think you're gonna do okay. I, I, when you told me you were gonna do this, I even put in the text, "I'm scared." Yes, you did, and I just <laughs> laughed so hard, and then walked out of the house with a bunch of kids screaming and a mess, and said, "Sorry, Beth, See have you, fun." Beth. <laughs> um, so right. some of these I think you're gonna get. This All list right. was actually compiled last year, so it doesn't have this year's stuff in there. But okay, here's the first word. Do you know what the word or the phrase "glow up" means? I've used this one a lot. Like you're you're going to get like primped up, like you're going to look make yourself look good. Used in a sentence, man. Like, like like I'm going to get my glow up on. No, it's more of um I would use this phrase where it's like, okay, you look at someone's like junior high picture, and then now it's like, dang, you should glue up. Uh like you had a glow uh, up. Ah, uh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So like you like uh, you refine like a fine wine. Yes. Gotcha. It is improvement. Right. I feel you. Glow feel up you. is an improvement. Like the audio quality from episode one to episode now. Man, we had a big glow up. We had a glow up on the podcast. We, we did. We did. All right. What's that? All right, here's another one. You should know this one. Slay. Like, that. that's awesome. Wake, like, slay, and pr- uh, wake, pray, and slay. Okay. Uh, what? It's a do a good job. What? Like, you, you got... But what did, of, you, what did you say? Wake, pray, and slay. That sounds like a drunk person. <laughs> Someone take away this man's new pad. Okay, here's the next one. Bet. Bet, this is what yo, I use yo, all the time. Bet, yo, dog, for real. But bet, man. What does like, it mean, though? I, I don't know. Like, like legit. Like, that's right. Like, like agreement. It's it's the Gen Z version of amen. Sure. So Fun I, fact. I, I was close. Like, it's own. You got to give me a point. Like, yo, you want to go to Chick-fil-A? Bet. Like, that's. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Here's another one. And this, is, this isn't Gen Z, but vibing. You know what vibing, vibing is. Like, we just vibing. Like you chilling. We just vibing. Just like, yeah, you, you chilling and grilling, bro. Exactly. See, chilling and grilling. What the heck is chilling <laughs> yeah. and grilling? You know. Come on now. I, I, I know chilling. Chill. I know Netflix and chill, but I don't know chilling and grilling. <laughs> you, you never heard of chilling and grilling? No. Grill? Bro, we just chilling and grilling, man. Is that from your... um? No, 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 no. No, that is a different thing. <laughs> you get the munchies. Okay, Um, this one, I don't even know. Stan. I, I, I hate this word. S-T-A-N. Stan. No idea. Uh, this word is synonymous with supporting something. Okay, this is a fun one. Sus. Like, sus. like suspect? Like what most Gen Z people are now? No, I'm just ah! kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't be. No, it's like suspicious. Don't be yeah. suspicious. No, yeah, Don't I, I know be what it is. Sus- Facts. Facts, like truth. Yep, yep. Okay. I don't know if you know this one. Simp. S-I-M-P. Like you be simping? Simp. What is yeah yeah that's how you would use it. I don't I've I've heard it used but I don't know what it means. All right here here here's a good definition right. All right your boy's supposed to be hanging out. You're supposed to be hanging out with me and then all of a sudden you ditch me for the girl. You simping? Oh, don't be simping, bro. Okay. Don't be simping. I got you. I got you. So you're ditching. You yes <laughs> yes. So in the actual um, definition of the word, it is a term for someone who admires another person. Usually used in a derogatory way to imply someone is paying weird amount of attention to another person. Oh, don't be simping. Oh. Oh, it's, so like a stalker. No, like, it's more like gaslighting your friends into hanging out with you. That's more so what it is. All right. But all okay, right. Uh, that slaps. Like, that. that's cool. Like, that's that's awesome. I don't know. Uh, how about this one? Um, it means it means it's really good. Like, okay, like right. there's something like it's, bang, like it's banging. Like, okay. that's not banging. I got you. I got you. It right. slaps. Like, there's there's slaps, and then there, there's, there's, there, there's a whole, like, okay. level of tears. Another sure. one. Okay. Uh, we're getting close to the end. 
understood the assignment. Like, man, he understood, understood the, assignment. the assignment. He 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 knew what he was supposed to do. I understood the and assignment. Uh huh. Yeah, he uh-huh. did what he was supposed to do. I understood the assignment. Um, cap, cap, like uh, that's like uh, no lie or, or no cap is no uh, no lie. It's like truth. Yeah, look yeah. at you. I I learned some. Ready? T. T. What's the T? Like what's the, the tea, what, what's the what's the the scoop? Work, yeah, man. Some of these Gen Zs like what's the scoop? Yeah, what's the scoop? Like a scoop the of scoop. ice cream. You ain't heard of the political scoop? It's what's like the tea. Um, ready for this one? L, L. Like yo, that's an L. That's a lie. Nope. I don't know. Uh, okay, okay. Yo, outfit. That's a big L. <laughs> like uh, it's legit. Loser, loser. What, you call my outfit a loser? Look no, at, look I'm at just who's saying. Talking. Look who's talking. We matchy matching today. Like you got like gray shorts with a black stripe, a blue hoodie, and a yellow shirt. Oh shoot, with um some baby puke man, on it. Man, you be look at. I got some baby puke on the hoodie. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a big L right there. Oh, speaking of big yikes, big yikes, big yikes. Like oops, like oh man, that's a big mistake. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, you know those ones. You know what basic is? I've introduced you to basic. Sure. Sure. I introduced you to ghosting. Yep. What about main character vibes? Like they're giving off some mad main character vibes. The problem is, is everyone star of the show. They're with the front runner kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So on the podcast, you got main character vibes, and I got that dorky sidekick. I do. Yeah, you do. Oh man, not me. But the problem is, most Gen Zers think they're the main character when really they need to sit down, shut up, and get a job. Like that's what it comes down to. Oh, my bad. I'm like instead of the main mortgages, instead of the main character, I'm like the guy like taking out the trash in the kitchen in the background that you nobody even ever sees. You're like there was a guy in the trash taking out the trash in the background. I didn't even see that, and it's like then you rewind it, you look, you go, oh there he is. He's wearing a monkey suit. That's me. <laughs> that's, that's you. I'm the dorky friend. I am you, the dorky you're the, friend. You're the you're the Joey from Friends. <sighs> I'm not Joey that good, does though. not share food. I'm not that good. I, I'm Gus from the coffee shop or Gunther or whatever. Gunther. Like, Gunther. I'm Gunther. Gunther. You Gunther. That's who I am. Like he makes an appearance like every fifth or sixth episode, and he's kind of weird. And that's I'm more like I'm. Ross, where I want to be the main character. I'm trying really hard, but everyone knows, bro, including me. I'm bro. not, but I still try. No, you a Rachel. Oh, I'm you pretty and I'm cute. You just a straight up no high maintenance. <laughs> oh, wait a minute! Come on now, dang! Come, come on, on son. swinging. All right, last one. All right. Uh oh, your internet pooped out on me. Here we go. Okay, last one. Okay, well, you also know it's different. Um, dank, dank. That's dank. Like stinky. <laughs> like that's the way we used to use it. And apparently, this is the most popular slang term among the Mormons in Utah. I, I, the Mormons okay, in Utah so, so what's like to use it. Um, it's typically used in meme culture. We refer to a hard-hitting meme and doesn't have a real definition. Like we used to, okay, so it's only said, man, that's So dang. people are saying words that don't even have, like, first of all. Pretty much my whole vocabulary. All these words, all these words are words that are not in the Webster Dictionary, so. Oh, they're probably I mean, there now. No, 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 no. That's the, that's the Urban Dictionary. That's true. Not the Webster Dictionary, true. okay? They're not real words. They're just made up words for culture that will come and go but 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 if someone says a dang like so man, like, man so you like, dang what, so, what did that used to mean oh i don't know i'd have to go I, like you said you dank you danky like I, yeah that, i mean that's the way when i used to be in my f- former life we'd say man that weed is dank because like, it's, it's like it's yeah, like it it's wretch i say wretch yeah. yeah right or fetch stop trying to make fetch a thing that's some that, that's some skunk weed or something <laughs> like that you know we'd, we'd come up with all sorts which of can we stuff. talk about that anyways even though it's legal the one thing that I hate the most about weed is smell. I got to smell it. Like yeah. walking through Raleigh Children's Hospital, I don't want to so, smell that. Here's the thing. It's right? awful. When you do it a lot, you don't even notice the smell. 
It's when you don't do it that you know. It's like a smoker, right? A smoker doesn't realize. I was realize, thinking more so someone who works in a manure patch. Like, no. A smoker doesn't realize how bad they stink until they stop smoking and smell other people that are smoking. And they're like, man, you smell That's bad. That's the thing. Like, That's different of what's, like, ethical or not, I think smoking weed is super selfish because it stinks. It does. It smells up everything. Everything. Well, cigarettes do, too. But, Absolutely. So, I mean, and B.O., we don't want that body odor either. <laughs> right. dang. With that, With we're going to go ahead and We have a gift that was on. sent to us, my dude. We've had we, coffee. Someone we, just sent us coffee. Who, do you know did. who sent us coffee? <sighs> Where was it from? I don't. It, I don't know. It's Mexican, it's from, though. It's from, Colo- it's from Colorado. Ooh. It's from Phoenix something. <gasps> oh. the, your little baggie, say it. Is your box Ooh, near my you? My cute little baggie? No, my baggie's over there. Oh. So, uh, yeah, it's Phoenix something coffee company. I forget what the other word was. Uh, but we're not drinking that tonight. But it's from Colorado. No, we're, we're not drinking drink- Tacoas. Well, well, we were. I was. You are drinking. I was you drinking. Chugged. I finished my coffee before we came down, so I'm drinking uh, the classic. Aha! Uh-huh. I keep looking at the screen though because we have something new on our camera that is kind of out of focus. If you're on YouTube, so I'm going to bring it back a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Ooh, if you are on YouTube nice. right now, you. I'm going to put. I'm going to post. It probably already posted like months ago on Instagram. Someone at, sent us a pouring gift. coffee. So if you're on Instagram, if you're not, go check this. Just go check this mug out. All right. I, so I, I literally feel, a mug. I feel like the artist is saying that RTC fills their cup. Basically. So, but it is a 3D printed RTC logo at the top. And it literally has the effect of coffee pouring, pouring from RTC or, into a cup. Or it's like, you know, when, um, when Thanos up. snapped his fingers and things started just being sucked away. It looks like it's being sucked up into the RTC See, logo. Because no, it's getting, it starts small and goes big. But is that, an, is that a 3D printed mug or is that an actual I, mug? I, I don't know, but I'm scared. I, no, it's 3D printed. I can see the lines. In can it. you? Okay. That's awesome. That is so cool. Anyways. Uh, we're really excited about it. So uh, I don't remember who sent that to us. We're, we're yeah, we're being terrible with who sends those things. But it's awesome. Oh, it someone cool. just messaged me and I opened up their message. Dang it. Anyways, so while you're looking that up, I'm going to go ahead. Michael. And- Michael sent it to us. Michael. That's right. I'm like, I knew. I'm like, it's Michael. It's Michael. And then I, then I had a brain Michael fart. who? Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael Kelbeck. Oh, okay. Or well, thank you, I'm not Michael. sure how to spell it. So, we dude, appreciate that. this is freaking awesome. So, we have had a lot of fun gifts given to us. Coffee is always our favorite. Yes. But this one is up there with also that, our most favorite. That, that is pretty My favorite gift I've gotten so far on this podcast is a wife. But and y'all can't beat that. I'm sorry. Y'all can't beat that no matter how hard y'all try. But this 3D printed RTC logo in a coffee awesome. mug with the rippling we coffee like coming up is freaking dope. We, we like, I think it's going down, though. I don't know. It's but, going down. But for we real. like gifts. We like the things. And this is going to be here to stay. I, think. I love it. It's pretty cool. Anyways. Uh, pretty so, dope, huh? So I'm going to read. No cat. <laughs> no I'm cat, gonna... boss. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and read the <laughs> <laughs> review. Someone here. take away this man's sound machine. <laughs> I'm just going to rewind I'm going to move this so I don't hit it and break it. All I'm right, really sounds nervous. good. All right. Uh, so this one comes from JDZ94. JDZ. JDZ. Amazing podcast. Mark and Fuller deliver on the title of the podcast, real talk and conversations on topics the church is often afraid of addressing. A wonderful balance of scripture, honest opinions, vulnerability, and of course, fun facts with Fuller. Wonderful podcast. Well, thank you, JDZ. We appreciate you. As always, if you have left a review and you have not received a, squa- a squag bag, squag bag, a squag bag, swag bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's just. 
You love this drunk guy so much. (laughs) Don't leave me alone. (laughs) To me, it's like every time I have a word vomit, that's what it reminds me of. We'll get to the show at some point, guys. I promise. Anyways, uh, (laughs) if you you haven't already received a swag bag, reach out to us. Send us your name and address, and we'll promptly promptly get that out to you. The best to our abilities. Uh, usually I put it in and it's really Janelle that Janelle takes is care on of all of it. Top of the and game. she's usually, if we put it, so she checks it on Monday. She's on top of it. And it goes out that week. So if it comes on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, she'll see it that following Monday. And sometime during that week when she's out and about, she will take it and drop it off. I love it. If it comes on Monday, Ooh. you have Ooh. to wait till the following Monday before she sees it. And then. Again, it, sometime oh. that week, she'll go take care of it. There it is. She's, she's pretty good at it. So. I love it. So, you know what else I love? Set it up. Let's do this conversation. So, to be honest with you, I'll sit in my office and I'm like, okay, I'm th- this this conversation conversation can go kind of a myriad of, of directions, you know? Like, we can talk about, sure. like, the different ministries. We can talk about, um, do we call the church a corporation? Should there be mega churches or not? Mm-hmm. So, here's kind of the, 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 the vision with this one, all right? The the Lay whole out. The, the the vision for this episode is more so around the idea of, of not is the church a corporation, how should we run church and all these different things, but more so around the the idea of the fact of has America maybe commercialized the church? Have we corporatized it? Have we made it into more of a of 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 a thing than what it's supposed to be? An entertainment business? Not even just entertainment business, because that's just the one side. There's also the other side of, you know, the church shopper. Or the expecting the paid staff members to do all the work of the ministry because we're paying you to do your job, or pastors who look at the people in the pew as like little like little slave people who's supposed to just do all these different things. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a really big vision for for this this episode. But I think I want to stick very nice and tight to the idea of the fact of what is the purpose of the church. Talk about the different ministries of the church and the structure inside of it, and have we made it too corporate in terms of how we structure the church? Okay, in okay. terms of top down, bottom up type structures. So, so before we even jump into it, though, I first want to talk about just the state of the church in general. All right, to talk about the size of the church, what are some different sta- different stats and statistics? I'm not going to do it. You're not going to do it. I'll do it. Do it. Stats and statistics. So we're talking about different stats and statistics for the church. You say statistics. Seth. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Anywho, so I'm going to set up with some statistics to start the episode, all right? So all of these stats are from 2020 about re- specifically related to sizes of churches today. This was provided to us by Lifeway Research and the 2020 Faith Communities Today study. And in the study, they found that 7 out of 10 churches have less than 100 people in attendance every single week. Question. Yes. Was this pre or post-COVID? Pre, uh, pre-COVID. This okay. is pre-COVID. All right. And so, so this is just straight up like average, not COVID related at all. So seven out of 10 churches have less than a hundred people in attendance. In fact, I think the average church size is even less than that, like 75% and less, Mm. I think is really what it is. So like the average size church, I think in America is between 65 and 75. Like that's an actual average. Wow. But check this out. Seven out of 10 churchgoers attend a church with more than 250 average attendance on the weekend. So seven out of every 10 churches has a hundred people or less, but for out of all the people who go to church, only three out of those 10 go to those smaller churches. Mm. So most of the churches out there are small, but most people don't go to these small churches. So there are countryside churches freaking everywhere. So, so when you think of how you keep averages, there's gotta be tons of little churches of 40, 30 Mm -hmm. people just be bopping around, be bopping. It sounds a little, uh, 
unkind. I'm sorry. But but so <laughs> Neil says seven out of ten have a hundred or less. Seven out of ten churchgoers to go to a church with two hundred and fifty people in attendance or more. I'm one of those people. Southside literally has always fluctuated on that two hundred to two fifty mm-hmm, mark mm-hmm, forever. Mm-hmm. But also congregations with more than two hundred and fifty account for ten percent of congregations. Um, but host close to 60% of all churchgoers. So, so, te- so 10% are actually congregants and 60% are just go to church. Is that what it's saying? Is that the way I'm reading it? Congregations. So, so, um, 10% of congregations are more than 250. Oh, okay. So I basically you. I 90% wrong. of churches, are, well, there's like a weird, like I copy and paste it, but it looks like there's a weird blip it in there. Um, but it's from what I'm reading with this, it almost sounds like, right. That. 90% of churches are below 250 people, mm. which is just nuts. Which it would be because it says, what, 7 out of 10? Yeah, it's nuts. So the average church building, though, check this out, seats 200 people. But yes, the average attendance is 65 people. But then I thought this, that was fascinating that they included in this one. The average Catholic and Orthodox congregation every single week, though, is 400 people. So so when you look at these different stats, it's very easy to get a kind of doom and gloom vibe of where the modern church is at, where the fact of a lot of people who go to church want to go to these bigger churches, but mm-hmm. most of the churches are smaller. So in response to that, a lot of marketing companies, church marketing companies, pastors, seminaries are doing everything they can to help these churches grow numerically. A lot of times it's not for bad reasons. It's because mm-hmm. if you don't have a church there, you can't you know, necessarily help the community out. Mm -hmm. There's not a place for people to gather, but you also want to gather more people in because that means more people are hearing Jesus. More people are hearing the gospel. More people are being introduced to this new life. So it's not a bad thing for churches to be like, yes, we want to reach more people, not to boost our numbers. We just want to reach more people because that's what we're called to do. We're Mm -hmm. called to go out Mm -hmm. and, and share our faith with people. But as a church grows, a problem tends to arise. And the problem is, is how do we structure a church with so many people? Because as church grow, we all know this, right? Staff members start to grow. Big building projects start to happen. It can be from a small church, adding a gym, adding a bigger sanctuary, adding a youth Mm -hmm. wing, children Mm -hmm. wing, all these different things. Different ministries are formed inside of each of these churches to cater to each one of these different ministry brackets. Technology continually improves to the point where the fact of so much of tech is used to pull off these services. And if you don't have tech, you can't even have a worship service anymore. And then to keep up with everything, the church has to systematize the entire beast to keep it running and operating smoothly. And soon the church has become a machine full of workers, policies and procedures, ministries happening, next step programs, and so much more. And my big question is, is, is this is the way it's supposed to be or is this a curse of the fa- not, not just in America, but I would say the Western world where we have the freedom of religion to operate however we want, where we don't have to fear persecution. We don't have to fear, you know, trying to keep the main thing, the main thing, because mm-hmm. that, that's literally all we can do. But instead, so many churches now have budgets that are ridiculously huge. They're growing like crazy. They're bringing more staff members in. We're siloing off all these ministries so that way every group has their own tiny little ministry. And then there's little ministries inside of those little Mm -hmm. different ministries. And is that the way church is supposed to be is a systematized, corporatized machine? Mm -hmm. Or is it destined for something more? Is there something in the middle? So that's kind of where I want the conversation to go tonight. So I have a bunch of different questions here that, yes, we need to talk about, but we don't have to talk about all these questions. It's just some good questions. Are we going to talk about them right now, or do you want to talk about them later? I'm going to tee them up, and then we're going to just knock them down. 
Oh. Line them up and knock them down. Okay, like dominoes. Basically. Let's go. So the first question that we have to ask is, what's the purpose of the church? All right? So the first purpose, uh, let me back this up. We first have to ask, what is the purpose of the church? And then we should ask the question of, okay, so in the Bible, because we have to go back to what the Bible says, mm-hmm. is there such a thing as structuring the church body at all? Mm-hmm. And then it... From there, it's just a lot of conversations like, what's the purpose of the different ministries? Should we have these ministries? Should we have a bunch of committees? Should it be single pastor or multiple pastors? Are the modern ch- church ministries even biblical? And what does a healthy church even look like? Mm-hmm. So you ready? All right. All right. Go. So question is, is what is the OG purpose of the church? There's there's another term for you. OG. O- OG. What's and the OG? What's the original gangster purpose of the church? That's I don't know. What, what is it, Mark? Um, I'm not going to use gangster in church, but what's the original purpose of the church? All right. So I have four different things here listed of what is the purpose of the church. Okay. First and foremost, it's the gathering of the saints. Mm-hmm. The church is the saints. They're the called out ones. Jesus even said upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia. My mm-hmm, church, mm-hmm. my called out ones. In Acts 2.42, though, we see that the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings of Jesus, to the fellowship, to the mm-hmm. breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then when you go into Hebrews, I didn't bring this verse here with me. I don't know why I didn't. The The author of Hebrews even says the words, don't neglect For, forsake, the yeah. forsaking yeah. of one another. So the church, first and foremost, we just have to recognize is it's the gathering of the saints. Mm-hmm. Those who have followed Jesus make up the church. It's mm-hmm. not the building. It's the people. Mm-hmm. The next purpose of the church is to be taught the ways of Jesus, right? So when we look in the great commission, we see that Jesus says what go therefore and make disciples of all nations, but then do what baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, Holy spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I have commanded you And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. So the mm-hmm. commandment was, go tell people about me. In other words, go make more disciples, baptize, baptize them, them, and teach them. And teach them. Yep. So the goal of the church so far is it's the gathering of the saints to learn about the teachings of Jesus. Hence the descriptor, or for us now, the noun of the word Christian. Mm-hmm. A bunch of little Jesus is running around. All right, so the, then the question is, okay, so the church is the called out ones. We're called by Jesus, and we're supposed to learn the teachings of Jesus to do what? And the answer is, is we're called to do good works. Mm-hmm. So when we see the Great Commission, it literally says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, I love these verses. It says, for by, uh, for I, I know it in the King Jimmy, not the, um, yep. Not, yep. Not the other translation. Yeah. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourself, it's God's gift, not from works, so no one can boast. And here we go. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Which God prepared ahead of us for us to do. Mm -hmm. So we are called by Jesus, but we're created in him to do the good works which God already prepared for us. And then we see in James 1, 23 to 27, it says, but be doers of the words and not only hearers, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is here of the word and not a doer, he's like someone who looks at his own face in a mirror for when he looks at himself and goes away and for immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and preserves in it and is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without control in his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep one self unstained from the world. Mm-hmm. So we're both... A, to also do good works for other people, but we're also, for ourselves, supposed to do good works so that way we, like it said, don't get stained by the junk of the world. Mm -hmm. So, so far we see the purpose of the church is it's the gathering of the saints, 
to learn the teachings of Jesus, to go and do the good works, but ultimately it's all for God's glory. Mm-hmm. What do you see in 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So that way we can proclaim the praises of God who called us. Ephesians 1, 11 through 12, it says, In him we also have received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will so that we who already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to God's glory. So, so far when we see all these different things, the purpose of the church is to come together to learn the teaching of Jesus, Mm -hmm. to encourage one another, to do good works to the glory of God the Father, but we also can't forget that we're also sent out into the world so that way other people can come to know God as well. We see that in the Great Commission. We see the early church spreading and sharing their faith with everybody. But the interesting thing, though, is the Bible never really says, go out into the world and show them the Romans road. Mm-hmm. It just says, go and make disciples. So mm-hmm. as we're going, we're supposed to introduce people to the ways of Jesus. And the question is, is how do we introduce people to the ways of Jesus? A, we talk about it, but B, which I know we, we used to talk about this verse a lot coming out of the Beatitudes with Matthew yep. 5, 13 through 16, where it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything, but can be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that way they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Mm -hmm. So when we kind of wrap up what the early purpose of the church is, it's really to learn more about Jesus' teachings, Mm -hmm. to love one another, to do good works, you know, proclaim God's glory. And then in doing such, people are going to see that and hopefully be drawn to it as well and praise God Mm -hmm. in the meantime. And you see the church doing that through a lot of different parts of history, down to the point of when the Romans would just throw babies on the streets, the Christians would bring them in and raise them as their own. You see hospitals being built because Christians were taking care of those who were less fortunate. We mm-hmm. see schools and education being built. I mean, heck, even Sunday school was designed as a way to teach kids how to do basic life things like brush their teeth, button their shirt, do stuff like this, basic life skills. And then it also turned into, hey, we're going to teach you how to read. We're going to teach you how to write. We're going to teach you how to do these basic life skills things. And then as a group, yes, we're going to teach you about Jesus as well. And so we see the church live like living up to this purpose for so so much in all the course of history. Mm -hmm. But the question becomes is, you know, that was a very organic movement way back in the day, right? And so when we see the early church being formed and being um, created and literally kind of coming into itself, though, you see in Acts 2, you know, right after the day of Pentecost, what was that, 3,000 souls or 3,000 men, 5,000, 3,000, 5,000, 5,000 souls were added to the church that could day. Be wrong, could be wrong. Could be three. And then, you know, and then Acts, you know, two forty three and says, and the Lord added to their numbers daily. You see another spot where it talks about 4,000 souls being added to the church daily. So mm-hmm. we see the early church growing rapidly in a very, very organic way in culture. And because of that, you do see a lot of different, whoop, that's quite my microphone. Um, you do see a lot of heresies that do show, which we'll talk about some of those heresies in, in future episodes that we're working on. But the question becomes though, the fact of, did the early church put any structure at all into the early church. Right. Right. And not just in a way of like, we have to make sure like, you know, top down system, but literally did they put organization and structure in a quote unquote corporatized 
the church to make it run in a certain way. And before I bring up these, these Bible verse passages, is there anything else you want to add to this conversation so far, Fuller? Bro, I'm just along for the ride right now. That's I just, all. I just wanted a voice break. I, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you did. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I ain't got nothing to add. Because I'm well, going quick. When, when, you, when you're breaking it down like you are, hey, I can just sit back. It's easy street for Sounds me. Sounds good to me. So that's what we see what the purpose of the early church mm-hmm. is, okay? So then the next question is, is as the church grow, grew and was growing, was there ever structure that was put in place of the church? And the answer is yep. yes. Now, I want to start, though, not in the New Testament. I actually want to start in the Old Testament. Because mm-hmm. when you look at Christianity, as we've had many different conversations, it kind of grew out of Judaism, which back in then, it was temple worship. And when you look back in the Old Testament times, you see a lot of different systems and structures in place for all aspects of worship. When it comes to the Levites, the different types of priests, what the different sacrifices were, how you're supposed to sacrifice, what you're supposed to bring, and when you're supposed to bring it, how you're supposed to do all these different steps. Only certain people could be in certain parts of the temple, and it was like Gentiles and then Jews and then men who were Jews and then the priests and then the, you know, the holies of holies. And so there was all these different structures inside of Jewish temple worship. Mm -hmm. Now we do have to just call a spade a spade and just call it like it is where this was also the center of their like culture Mm -hmm. life too. It wasn't just church. It wasn't just worship. Well, no, this is how they pay taxes. It was part of being set apart. Yeah. I mean, it was the way the structure that God had designed for Israel. And, and and not just for worship, but for all areas of life. Correct. When it came to, you know, Shabbat and not working on the Sabbath. Yep. And when it came to, you know, the Levites actually got their food and their income to live based off of temple donations. And mm-hmm. so we we can't just say, oh, the, the, the early church had, or the, the Jewish people had it structured exactly this way and exactly this time. So that's the way us as a church need to do it because it was also cultural too. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, that's when we look at God's law, the Old Testament law and go, is this the way worship was supposed to be? Or is this just how he set it up for Israel? Well, and you have to look at why why God set things up the way he did for Israel, mm-hmm. and it was to, to distinguish them for the rest from the rest of the pagan cultures back then. So, do we have that much of the ritualistic stuff happening in the church in the New Testament? Uh, I would say not in the same way. So it looks a little bit differently in the structure. And I do know a lot of uh, Orthodox churches and Catholic churches, they structure their entire worship based off of temple worship when mm-hmm. it comes to the vestments, when it comes to the style, the altar, the tabernacle, the, 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 the you know, the rector, the priest, the father on behalf of the people is doing certain things mm-hmm. and then is also, get, you know, ministering the gifts to others mm-hmm. in the same way that a priest would do these different things. And so there are still, I would say, different traditions inside of Christianity, though, that mm-hmm. kind of still lean into this this sure. this culture of how the Jews did worship. Sure, but is that the, what the focus should have been? And do we see that the focus of temple worship style should be that way? And I, I would say somewhat, but not as much as what some people have taken it to. It's just my thoughts. That'd be a good fun study. That'd be a it good would. fun study for you to do. So for me to do for you to do, and then tell me about it. So, but when we jump into the New Testament, right? We we start to see different structures that are put in place. All right. So as the church is growing, we see problems starting to show up mm-hmm, in the church. Mm-hmm. And so when we see in Acts chapter six, we see the introduction of somebody called a deacon. 
or deacons that were introduced into the story of the church. And the reason was is because the 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 Hebrew Christians were rejecting the Hellenistic Christians to the point where the widows were not getting any food at all. Mm-hmm. And so the, the they they were going to the elders and they were complaining the, or the apostles and they said call out from among you seven seven worthy men who can look after you guys to take care of this stuff because we're working on this part we're we bu- can't do everything. We're building other parts of the kingdom and, and we need help with right. And part. they said they were, you know, they were dedicating themselves to teaching and ministering and to prayer yep, yep. and to all these things, primarily around the, I would say, the the spiritual side of the faith. And it's not the fact that they're saying, Oh, this the the physical is not as important as what we're doing. We're doing the better stuff over here. It's just the fact of we got different stuff we got to do. They only had so much bandwidth and they exactly. can only do so much. Exactly. So they were like, we are doing this. This is what we're called to do. Right. So you call out from among yourselves seven worthy men who can make sure that the physical sides of these people are actually taken care of. So mm-hmm. as the early church started to grow, a problem arose and the elders said, oh, and the apostles said, we can't do this on our own. We need to put some sort of structure into place to make sure that people are physically being taken care of. Right. And that was, I would say, one of the first structures you see of the early church where it is a definite structure Mm -hmm. of these are the people that help you physically. We are your spiritual, I don't want to say guides because that's not the right word, but we're the elders. They're protecting the doctrine of the church. So we already see some structure being put in place of different people doing different things in different ways to take care of the church Mm -hmm. body. Another thing that we see, though, is the council at Jerusalem. Right. And so it wasn't like a big council like the Council of Nicaea or the Council of Constantinople, where they brought in hundreds and hundreds of Christians from all over well, they weren't God's that, green earth. They, they weren't that big yet. No. And so in Jerusalem, it was the elders, which we talked about different what is an elder in different episodes of the podcast. Mm-hmm, so go mm-hmm. to the website and search it and you can find those episodes. But we see the elders and the apostles coming together to talk about two very specific questions that was a problem in the early church. Because again, problems started to arise regarding doctrines and what they were supposed to be teaching versus not. And it was about Jew versus Gentile. Again, it goes back to Jew versus Gentile, which is the same issue with the food. And the two questions that they were asking and they had to figure out was, was number one, do Gentiles first have to become physical Jews before they can become a Christian. Mm-hmm. In other words, can they, you know, get circumcised? Like, do they have to become circumcised and become a physical Jew to be part of the kingdom? Pause. Oh, can we just, again, I know we've said it a few times, How much that would suck? But, but just how much it would suck for Abraham. <laughs> okay. And I'm just throwing that out there. Now we can continue on. Now we can continue. So, but the question was, is, is, and they understood of Christianity is an outpouring of Judaism. It's a growth from that. So to become a Christian, do you have to physically become a Jew? Which after this, we see Paul writing in Romans of, you know, he is a true Jew who was one inwardly. Mm-hmm. And so Paul leans into that after this decision was made. But the second question is, was do the Gentiles have to observe the Mosaic law? after they become a Christian. So not just do they have to physically become a physical Jew and, and make it their physical identity, do they also have to follow all the things that are found in the Mosaic Law, which James gives a really funny answer of, yo, we don't want to give them that burden. We can't follow it. Right, right. So like, why would we make them follow it if they're not commanded to do it? We're doing it. It's freaking hard enough, so let's not do it. Right. And so right here in the church, the reason why I bring this up is they were having doctrinal disputes, and so all of a sudden they have to add some, some I would say, committees 
to figure out what do we actually believe, how are we going to answer these questions, and then how are you going to worship out of it? So we already see different splinter groups already happening inside the church where, mm-hmm. yes, there are Jews. You continue to be a Jew. Yes, you're Gentile. Continue to be a Gentile, but both follow Jesus. Remain as you are. <laughs> so is that is that different ministries of the church where instead of the, the teens, the students, we got we got them Jews and we got them Gentiles. Right. DJs or DGs, like them Jews or them Gentiles? Them Gentiles? I'm going to stop trying to be cool. I think we need a failure button. Like, Mark, finish screw him. <laughs> finish him. Finish so, him. so we see deacons being brought in because there was a need that needed to be met. We see the council stepping up because there were questions that needed to be answered. We also see, though, in 1 Corinthians 14, that there was a whole lot of crazy crap happening up in the Corinthian church, yeah. which 1 Corinthians is just a whole lot of crap going on. So, But the Apostle Paul talked specifically about the worship service where he says everything needs to be done in decency and in order, specifically talking about prophecy, speaking mm-hmm, in tongues. Mm-hmm. I talk about women being silent in the church. We're talking about that conversation here on, on this episode. So, you know, we're just going <laughs> to skirt past it and keep going. But the apostle Paul was saying, no, in the actual worship service, there needs to be some structure that mm-hmm. needs to be done. There needs to be very streamlined orders of how we do it because we want it to be, we want it to make sense. Mm-hmm. We want people to be able to understand what's going on and we don't want to look like a bunch of wackadoos. So let's actually have some structure in our worship service here. So that way it's respectable, it's decent and everything is in order. And right. then when we see as you know, the new Testament continues to, as we read through it in first Timothy and Titus, we see the responsibilities of an elder and what they're supposed to do. We see the responsibilities and requirements of a deacon and furthering what they are supposed to do as well. And so that's kind of the main aspects we see of actual church life. Cause a lot of new Testament is doctrinal stuff. Now, first mm-hmm. Corinthians has just a lot of crap. The apostle Paul is dealing with of this is how a Christian probably should actually live based right. on what we're teaching. So a lot of the new Testament is here's Jesus. Here's the teachings of Jesus. Here's how you need to live in accordance to Jesus. Here's the teachings. Here's the practical living of it. Exactly. And so when we see the early church gathering, yes, we should probably lean into, I don't want to say extra biblical resources about how they did it, but there are some really good, good tools out there. Like what's that one book that you have over on yourself? Like the early church. Um, I have a lot of them. No, 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 no. It was <laughs> like basically the it's a super, it's like before the Apostles' Creed. Oh, the Didacti? Um, the Didacti, where it kind of talked about this is the kind of the way that we just do worship. It's yeah. kind of like a worship guide for it, early church. Yeah, and, and people, you know, people always go, can we read these extra biblical things and blah, blah, blah from early church? I'm like, well, I don't know. Do you read Tony Evans now? Do you, do you read these? So you don't take them as canon, right? They're not inspired w- words. So you have to remember to filter everything as it's not inspired. The Bible should always be the baseline. But I don't think it's wrong to read like the Didache. It's not scripture, but it was close enough to the time to where you could see kind of how the person who write the the Didache or the Shepherd of Hermes and, and stuff like that kind of their their thought process and the way that they viewed um, living out Christianity. And so I guess this is the question that then we get to didn't have the conversation of not is the fact of has the church become like you know a corporation, but the fact of. When we look at the New Testament, we see that there were different problems that were coming up in the church, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. to answer those problems, different things, different protocols, different structures were added to church life, such as the deacons, you know, councils had to be formed. Um, we see the Apostle Paul even saying, like, hey, elders, your job is to look after mm-hmm. the faith to make sure like things are, are running the way they're supposed to. But I guess my question is this, is the fact of, you know, when we look at the early church, we see elders, we see deacons 
and I guess we see apostles, overseers, and we see we see overseers. We see in First Corinthians twelve that there's you know different responsibilities the church have. Like some are given to the role of apostle, some the teacher, some an evangelist, some a pastor. We're all different, given different gifts to edify the body. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. my question is, and this is where a lot of churches start to fight then with the difference between home church and big church and overly structured church versus loosey goosey. Y'all, we just roll with what the Spirit's telling us to do. Should we have different structures involved in church life? that are extra, that are on top of what we actually see in the New Testament. And this is where I want the conversation to go. So okay. this is just conversation time. So this is chitty chat time. So we talk, well, we looked at what the Bible says. Sure. Now the question is, what the heck do we do with it? Live it. What does that mean? <laughs> like, should we have different ministries? Should we have pastoral roles? Should we have well, I think officially before, paid pastors? I think like, before you get into that, you got you to gotta get down into, is God... A God of structure, and I think we have enough biblical evidence to say yes. God is a God of order and structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that can be taken lightly, and not enough structure be involved, and that can be taken too heavily, and too much structure be involved, and leaving no room for the Holy Spirit to move whatsoever. And so I think that there um, there is a balance, and I think some churches do it very well, and some churches do it very poorly. Um, I think that a church that is like the pastor comes unprepared all the time, the worship mm. team comes unprepared all the time. I don't think that's the that's the way to do it. I don't think that a church where a pastor goes, I have to stick to thirty five minutes on the dot, or <laughs> I've got three worship songs. It's going to start at this time, end at this time. This is what's going to be done, like to to where it's down to the minute. And they have to stick to that. To me, if you want to sing an extra chorus, go sing that extra chorus, brother. Like that, that that's to me leaving room for the Holy Spirit. Now there's still structure in that, right? So we're not coming unprepared with no songs, and we're not coming unprepared with no message to give because it's all about teaching and edifying. And how are you supposed to teach if you come unprepared? Mm. Now, some people would argue with me and we go, well, I do preparing every day in my life when I do my devotions. And I would say, yes, I would agree that that is preparing. But even on this show, we come with notes. Mm-hmm. Right, we we have a certain topic that we want to talk about, and God takes and moves it to where He wants it to go. But there's still a guideline for us to fall back to, in my opinion, and I think that that's a proper structure. Right, there's there's a line if you're doing those daily devotions in that prayer, God's going to probably put something on your heart, and you'd be able to speak to this more than me as a as a former pastor. But God puts stuff on your heart to where then you can bring and study for. And bring those notes, and now, again, that's still leading the Holy Spirit through that conversation because you don't have your entire sermon typed out to where you're just reading your sermon word for word. You may have— I got mine pretty locked in, though, to be honest with you. I had mine typed out word for word. You could almost follow along. You never knew. But that's because that's how my brain works. My ADD would go— Sure, exactly. But but like I look at this, right? So not everything is is down word for word from what you're going to say or what you have said already, right? So I'm I'm not even sure where this— I mean, we're already 46 minutes in. Dang, and I don't even know where this thing is about to go yet. We just get started. Right, So and and that's my thing, right? And so we're not—and that's one thing we've always said about the podcast. You know, hey, listen, we're sorry if it runs long, right? But, but we're it's about to. But we're not sorry at the same time because we feel like what we're saying is is being led by the Holy Spirit. And we have a structure here, just like a church has a structure, but it's not overly structured to where Mark and I are just going, we are going to read the notes and the notes only, and the other person just sits here and be quiet. Okay, so let's talk about this then. So, like, we got the big churches, right? And, I mean, there's okay. all different types of churches, sure. and I am unapologetically okay with different styles of churches because we're all different styles of people. I don't think there's one, like, you know, the Catholic church would say like 
and, and they've, man, they systematize the snot out of that thing to, in a good way of, it doesn't matter what parish you go to. It's going to be the same readings. It's the same church calendar. It's all these different things. And it was sure. such a way for, because the Catholics said, we want to protect the doctrine of the Catholic church, which mm-hmm. we would say, you, you done Do- messed up, boo-boo, because Do- there's some, there's of some the bad church doctrine. doctrine of the Bible. Well, there's some, there's some, <laughs> right. there's some yeah, stuff we right. might need to have a little chitty chit, 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 you know, chit chat about. We've had a lot of those chitty chats. We've had a lot time. of those chitty chats. <laughs> but they would say, you know, especially with, when you look at the history of the Catholic Church of why they put these systems and structures into place, it was to make sure that the people all across the world were getting the same information. So it wasn't like this guy was going rogue over here, this guy's going rogue over there. Sure. Now, all Catholics have the the homily, which every priest does a different homily, but it's always the same New Testament readings, Old Testament readings, the different church calendar dates, right. all these different things, because we are one church. So we all want to be on the same page and learning the same things and reading the same things because our our community is, it's a beautiful thing. So we want to do that. But then there's other churches that are like the small churches where it's the fact of, I don't know if the pastor's really came prepared or not. Cause he's not really that great of a speaker. And yep. the music is atrocious because nobody can carry a tune in a bucket. And then you got worship church, or not worship. You got mega churches where it's every single person on the worship team is a full paid musician and staff member. And they hire you for that. Yeah. And the pastors are for lack of better word, speaking circuit style pastors and they're writing books and they're doing all these different things. There's so many different wide, vast styles of churches. And there's, there's the conversation inside of it of are all these different styles bad or not? Is there one right style to have, or is there not? And is there things that are good and bad in both and all scenarios? I would say there is a right style, but to say anyone has that right style, I think, okay. So you mean by right style? Okay. So just like, I think, I'm turning off my iPad because I don't want to look at. I do think. No notes for this I one. think perfection is there, right? There is a perfect way of doing things in this world, right? Okay. God, God created perfection, right? Adam and Eve were perfect before the fall. Yep. So I think there is a perfect way of doing church. We just don't know it. <laughs> we're fallen creatures, so we never understand what that perfect structure is intended to look like. And I think God gave us a snapshot with with some of the Old Testament stuff. And some of the stuff in the early church, maybe some snip, snippets and snapshots of it, but I don't think we will ever fully understand what a perfect church service gathering of believers. So, so, so look, can we ever like say perfect. that that church does church wrong? Like, okay, well, like I think of like elevation, right? Sure. Elevation, their music be bumping. They sure. write their own songs. They only sing their own songs. But I, every other church sings their songs too. I don't think, and it's a big, it's big bad bumping music. I think it's the intentionality behind what the big churches do. Right? Okay, and I don't think. All we're looking at is the fruit, right? As Christians, we judge each other by the fruit, right? And, and what does the fruit look like? Does it look like those paid worship pastors? They're like, does their lives look like what they're presenting on the stage? Or are they being hypocrites? Are they having secret lives? Uh, I think... And some do because the fame... I mean, there's sadly documented all over the place where sure. the fame has gotten people. But there's but, other people but, who the fame pa- hopefully haven't gotten. But but pastors... Yeah, the, the fame, but... Um, so you, you look at those people and you see that, and then you look at the people in the congregation, and I can't tell you how many times I've, I've talked to people that go to mega churches, and me, myself, I've been able to fly through a couple mega churches where you can go in and go out and nobody know you're there. Mm-hmm. Not one person ever, ever know your name, no matter how long you go there. And so it's a good place for to hide uh, if you want to check the box of going to church. 
But can't you do that with a small church too? People at least know your name, you but you can, can fake it for 50 minutes on a Sunday. Sure, you can, but people are going to notice more, and they're going to be like, "Hey, what, hopefully, hey, what, you know, I, I want to get together with you." And then you're going to dodge and dodge and dodge, and they're going to be like, eh, "I don't know about this person," you know. Uh, whereas it's a little bit easier to do, I would say, in the in the bigger church. And I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm 100 percent against big churches. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it's easier to to hide in bigger churches okay it's easier to get too big of a head in bigger churches as far as worship leaders paid staff uh pastors it's easy to get lost in that fame and become untouchable because you're like look at well so there's there's just a lot of caution flags i would say okay not necessarily red flags but there's caution flags that i would say so are there also i guess this is my question because i know some churches in this community that are unapologetically i'm going to say this from my point of view sure don't care about evangelism more than they do about discipleship. Because I've heard some pastors say, my job is to teach these people. And if they go out and bring people in, that's cool. But that's not what our church is about. Well, I think it's about, I think, see, it's, but you can do the opposite too. A church, and I had, there's some in this community that are too much focused on going out and not taking care of the people within. Mm-hmm. So what happens if you're too focused on people on going out? It's you're going for for depth. You're not going for well. No, what you're, you're going for you're going for numbers, not going for. So, so what's going to happen is people are going to come in and quantity they're, over they're, quality. They're never going to grow, mm-hmm. and eventually they're probably going to fade away. But is that the and this is my question is is that the purpose of the church? Well, like, I, because the church is the gathering of the saints sure. to teach the teaching of Jesus for for yeah, gathering to be taught in the ways of Jesus for uplifting to do good works. How are you supposed to learn all that right. stuff? To how are you supposed to learn for for God's glory? How are you supposed to be the light that shines before men? if you aren't growing in your own spiritual life. So how are you supposed to do these things? So if you're focused on the outward of go, 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 go all the time, but you're not also focusing, I think that this is the reason why you have shepherds and you have evangelists, right? You have, you have the pastor and you have evangelists. So there's different people for different roles. And I think the person that is the pastor is supposed to tender, tenderly care for those within. That's his focus. He shouldn't be focused on, and nor does he most of the time have the opportunity to constantly focus on the outward stuff, right? But he should be focused on the inward stuff. And he's training up those people, and out of those people, those people are being trained up to be the go-outers, mm-hmm. to go and gather and bring in and go and gather and bring in. And they're not being able to, because they're constantly going and gathering, they're not always having the time to... to um, uh, foster that, that discipleship, right? Right. But that's what the pastor inside the church is doing. So it's kind of a tag team. It's not one better than the other, but the, but they're tag teaming it together and being able to to grow spiritually mature Christians that then help expand and go out. And then, but and and so if they're doing that correctly, my there's there's always that question of if a church is doing its job, should it ever be as small as forty people? Um, you know. So I don't see. And I'm, I'm not hating the churches of forty people because I attended one for years. So I, I don't see anywhere. I was gonna say I don't see anywhere where size matters in in scripture. Right. Um, I think that forty people can be good. I think non growth could be seasons. Mm-hmm. I think declining numbers could be seasons. Um, I I don't I don't pretend to know what's going on. I pretend. Uh, I, I trust, put my trust in God. He's going to weed and he's going to seed mm-hmm. basically. He's, and, and that's up to him, right? My job is to go and water and plant the seed and, and he's going to give the growth if there's there. Um, I leave that up to him. Um, you know, there's those that there, I've been in churches where it's been 10 people 
Um, it's been te- seven people you, for you, a long you, time. You, I mean, you house church, bro. But them, you house church, bro. Well, no, it's just not even that. Not even the house church, but just oh, just like a no one actual. Yeah, there's, there's a church up in Niles I know about right now that's got 15 people and it's been that way for 10 years. But I, let me tell you what, the spiritual lives of those 15 people are awesome, mm. right? Every last one of them is dedicated, and their spiritual fruit shows, right? They're not a dying church, in my opinion. They're just God has them where they're at. Again, numbers doesn't mean anything. It's it's the quality of within that means something, whether our church is thriving or dying, in my opinion. If you've got a 1,000 people, but every one of them is only an inch, it's like a 1,000 wide, but only an inch deep, it means nothing. But if you have one that you're discipling inside that church, and it is the best relationship fruit out the wazoo, you're a winner, brother. You are a winner as a spiritual mentor. Yeah, you can go out and continue to be rejected. Christ never said go out and make uh, and his make disciples saying, well, everybody that you go and witness to is going to come in or that your numbers are going to greatly increase. It may not be you. You may just be the seed planter. Mm. You may never be the harvester, ever. You might just be always planting seeds and never get to see the fruit of your but, labor. But, Paul, I mean, Jesus does say that the, 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 the fields are ready for harvest, though, sure. too. Sure, 100%. But does that make you a harvester? You don't know that. Right, because, I mean, Paul said, you know, I watered and I, Paul watered and Apollos, no, yeah. was it Paul planted and Apollos watered? So, but here's the thing, right? So you may have a church of 10 people, right? And, you're, and you and your people are constantly going out and planting seeds, and you guys may never see the growth. But then those people that they planted and that they've gone out and talked to, hey, they're, they're wanting to get plugged in now. So maybe they go plug up. Maybe your church isn't their style, right? Maybe they don't like, maybe they don't want to read the King James. They want to read the CSB. I don't know. What I mean, whatever, whatever and, the reason. And, and sometimes There's, when people are trying to find a church, that's why these quote unquote secret churches are generally larger. Sure. But because people can come in as explorers. But I know, you know? I know of a, a, of a, a couple that um, they went to new life, right? And new life just wasn't a fit for them. Does that mm-hmm. mean new new life is bad? No, it doesn't mean it's it just wasn't vibe. a fit for them. Mm-hmm. And so th- then they checked out another another church, and it wasn't a fit for them. And then they c- came to Southside, and they think it might be a fit, but it may not be. It may not be where God has them. Does that make any of those churches bad? No. no. So numbers mean nothing. Sometimes it it is that uh, personality, the the connections that get made. Um, there, there's a number of things that could could increase or decrease numbers. So what if you have a church where half the church is made up of of the hides? Literally. I mean, half the church made up of the hides. The hides move. We is a mega church. Well, you lost a bunch of numbers, but say you moved because of a medical reading reason for Lennox. Maybe you guys had to move to Indy, right? And you had to leave this church that you were ha- made up half the church. Does that make the church bad? No, it's just God has to move you somewhere else for what he's got going on in your life at that point. So I, I don't think numbers should ever play into whether we as Christians look as the church as thriving or dying. No, and I agree, but I also don't want to just say numbers are irrelevant either because every number is a soul too, you know? Sure, but what should our, our our focus should never be numbers, I guess, is what I'm saying. Our fo- If our focus is numbers, we've already missed it. Right, we've already missed it because now we're just focusing on the numbers. We've not no longer focused on the person and helping them to become uh, the best follower of Christ that we can help them do. Mm-hmm. We're not helping them grow in the relationship for them. We're we're helping them a little bit because we want more numbers. So so let's let's lean into this conversation then. Is with with it you know as a church grows, obviously numbers. You and I both agree the numbers are not the most important thing. Right. You would say it doesn't matter at all. I would say it matters some, but it's not the most important thing. But as a church grows, 
generally more systems and structure to put into place. We see the early church, they had to have deacons to take care of people. We sure. had to have councils to make sure our, our theology was sound. And yeah. then you have to have elders and elders should have, you know, used to the older be training the younger and the younger learning from the older mm -hmm. as we're supposed mm -hmm. to, you know, as we're supposed to not grow numerically, but as we're growing, we're supposed to be you're teaching, fostering. You're, fostering. you're supposed to be teaching those under you. As the church grows in the modern church culture, generally what happens is, you know, you start with like most church plants, right? Or like house mm -hmm. churches, 20, 30, 40 people, right? That church starts to grow. All of a sudden they call their first pastor. They call the pastor. Mm -hmm. And then that, that church can keep growing. They call another pastor, like an associate pastor. They mm -hmm. buy a building. They start, they bring on the youth minister. They bring on a children's director. They bring on admin staff. And all of a sudden we have set up a, Sorry, got a frog in my throat. We have set up a, for lack of a better word, corporate style structure to make sure certain ministries are happening. Because when you see in the in the in the business world, there's different ceilings in the business world that you have to go to to pass different growth numbers. Mm -hmm. Like for me, my personal business, I don't want it to be a massive agency. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I will not do certain things mm -hmm. to make it that agency. But there's other people who want to grow an agency. That's totally mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. But to do that, you have to let go of certain things and then hire different people. And all of a sudden you almost have a Bishop style thing where you got top dog, CEO, owner running the joint. Then you got managers, then assistant managers, mm -hmm. and then just your common employee. Mm -hmm. But then the idea is the fact of as you grow in the, in the growth chart, you can go higher, higher in this corporation. And you know, with churches, it kind of is like you got lead pastor or elders or whoever mm -hmm. your leaders are. And then you have all these support staff ministries mm -hmm. of either associate pastors or directors or whoever. And then all of them, sometimes like some big churches that I'm building websites for, they have literally four tiers of staff members before you get to the congregation mm -hmm. in order to take care of the needs of the congregation. Mm -hmm. At what point does that become too commercialized, too corporatized. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is that just the name of the game? And that's just kind of, mm -hmm. it is what it is to take care of more people. Or is that not an organic growth? Like what we're supposed to have with the original purpose of the church. That's where this conversation can get fun. Yeah. So to me, I mean, I mean, you know, my opinion, so I'll just speak, no, but I want it. Let's I'll, go. I'll speak it for those. We're gonna fight. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So for, <laughs> for me, I would say corporate Corporate style church. I'm trying to be careful of how I word this. Corporate style church does not have the same benefits, um, or or the same internal growth as it could. Okay. Um, I think you have many challenges in a corporate gathering, corporate corporate size gathering. Okay. Church. Um where you're delegating a lot so as a as a as a pastor you don't have you have to let go of control right you have to let go of control of content i guess is more than anything so oh, with, do, oh do, I mean, like doctrinal teachers doctrinal or, content okay. right uh, well you also have to let go of other things too because there's a sale sure. of 250 there's a 500 a yeah. thousand for different so you, you lose you lose that aspect as a leader to where you can't oversee as well and, and you could potentially uh, create blind spots within the church structure. Mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, and, and you could do this in small churches too. It depends on on those you have around you, surround yourself with, and and put in charge of different things. I mean, Southside could have that, you know, it, depending, you know, and we only have four elders, <laughs> I mean, and a pastor. I mean, so, so, I mean, you could get those, well, it's technically... 
but three elders and two pastors. I mean, bro, you yeah. could have one dude so, so, meeting with a group of four other men. So, and just you know, it depends on... Weird crap. Yeah, you know? definitely, definitely. And so it depends on the the intentionality of the of the main pastor mm-hmm. and, and those under him. Um, I think you lose the ability to help plug in to discipleship programs or to discipling others um, in a corporate sense like that, where you're, you know, mega church style. Okay. I'm thinking, thinking mega, not 500, but you're more, thinking more the 5,000, 6,000, yeah, or even, you know, 3,000. That's a crap load of people. 500 and above, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's harder to notice those who come in or maybe struggling and sneak out or struggling and, and just leave because of whatever struggles are going on and you're not there. I think we're called to be there to love each other in brotherly love. And how can you love your brother if you don't know who they are? Um, so I think you lose that in those bigger settings. I think you get more of, um, hangout people where they may not be theologically and doctrinally sound, but they're having small groups now. And things are starting to get taught that may not be biblically accurate. Right. And you have that in a small church too. You, like, you, can, you know? can, but you can have, a, as as a pastor, you can have a better grasp of that. You can have your your, your uh, fingers on the pulse a little bit more. Right. With what is going on. Like, so for Southside, right, you know, that 250 range typically is where we've been. Um, we, we as small group leaders have to, to report, right? We're reporting on what's going on in our small groups, right? Um, you know, with, with Scott, I've handed him exactly what I'm teaching out of. I gave him the book and said, thumb it over, make sure and you're we, good And we talked about this in the Facebook group recently of when you start a small group, should you get the quote unquote blessing of the pastor in the church versus just, you know, just a bunch of dudes hanging at Starbucks. So I think, uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it's honoring the position of pastor when, when you go to them, right? Okay. When you, when you go and say, Hey, th- I want to do this. This, you know, can I get the blessing, get the pastor? But, but as the church grows, that's why pastors bring on associate pastors sure. and other elders and different things like that. But then that's also of when should a church, you know, we talked about this like small group, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when should they, I don't like the word split, but mitosis. When, when should they, multiply. they exactly clone and multiply. So now they're instead of one, they are two and they're still at the same mind, but they are two separate cells now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, so I, is that something we're supposed to do? Is that something we're not supposed to do? I think in order to keep that that one-on-one personal relationship level, I think if you get too big, you lose that. You lose that one-on-one personal relationship. But I feel level. like then though, that gives that's in my opinion that could be an excuse too because you can still get that one-on-one, but as the individual, you have to be willing to go go get it. So uh, you know what I mean. I'll put it this way to you. Um, had you not reached out to Janelle and I when we first came to Southside, we probably would have never gotten involved with a small group, probably never stayed at Southside. So had I been 2000, would you have noticed that I was there? Only if you were in my row. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. You, That's what I mean by losing that one-on-one. Right. To where, as church leaders, right, again, Southside, Scott knows if somebody's new. Brandon knows if somebody's new. Mike Edwards knows if somebody's new. They see them, and they go, and they go, I'm going to go introduce myself. Mm-hmm. And then they foster that over over weeks. Hey, I saw him again. Hey, good to see you back. And they start fostering. You used to be really good at that, too, when you were on South, staff at Southside. You guys were always very good at being very welcoming, right? Past the greeters. And that's the personal touch. And if you, I've talk, talked to so many people, and they say, man, that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Like 
that's what drew me here. That's what keeps me here. And is if that, that personal family touch. And if that happens though, and as the church gets bigger, then what are you supposed to do? B- bigger, build a bigger building to sit well, 600, 800? I, I think because big churches can't. Big churches can also pull off some amazing things that small churches just can't pull off. Sure. Or you can just do like what we do and just join the SPC, and then you can. Do all sorts well, of right, stuff, and that's right? it. But but as we get different denominations, now we have more structure yeah. and more hierarchy, and that's what the Catholic no, Church but, would argue, and the Methodists would argue. But yeah, see, we have bishops, and they oversee all the different individual. I churches. don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a problem with having different campuses, right? I, I don't see a problem with that. So so so, are you okay with like Southside different campuses rather than sure. just here's a, a local autonomous sure. church and another one and another one? Right. Yeah. They're all under one pastor and one eldership. Uh, I would say pastor with subset pastors. Okay. To where the the subset pastors but are isn't the that pa- what the Pope is the are, Bishop of Rome. Um, that's how it started. It that's how it started, and I don't think there was a wrong with that because Peter was one of them. So I, I think that I mean, look at the. I look mean, at James the, in Jerusalem. Look, yeah, well, exactly. So and, and so I think that that's not a bad thing. I think it can go too far. I think okay. I think that those pastors that are reporting to the main pastor, the main pastor should have the vision, right? Should be setting the tone for this is the way that the. The church, Southside, we'll use Southside. Well, mm-hmm. The Southside is is going, and and but the other pastors have have um, authority over their individual flocks, but they all have a, are under the authority of the main. Right. But the main doesn't just set the tone for everybody without an agreement of all. Right. And that's where it's like, that's where we're that, that. So, but is that now again, is, does that become too much of a corporate business where now I, I all of a sudden you have a bunch of different Walmarts and you have this higher up, boop, like I, I don't a, think a Presbytery. So. I don't think so. I think, I think that it is a somebody, it's like the SBC, right? That the, okay. those on the, I mean, uh, SBC on the committee. though, but SBC though, it's all local autonomous churches that sure. say, yes, this is what we believe. And the purpose of it is right. for missions, but they all come together and they agree this is the tone of the SBC. Right. Like, like they just voted about what, you know, with, with these churches that were removed from fellowship from the SBC because of women pastors. Well, they just talked about even how do we handle going forward with the AI? I mean, that was decided oh, at this, intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. That was, the, that, that was voted on and decided at this last SBC conference. Right. But if a church doesn't like it, they can just bounce and dip. Sure. They can. The and just like a, I would say a campus could do, I think it's a good thing. No, I think that, but they're still always, someone up ahead and it could be run just like the SBC where, Hey, we vote on a different one pastor from one of these, these smaller churches every four years, you know, we put somebody else new or however they want to do it that way. It's not just one person, right? But it's a, it's a corporate, they all share, but they're all under authority at the same time and, and kind of working together. Right. So is it one of those things where as you're, as you're chewing this out, cause I wasn't expecting you to say half this crap, dude. I'm like, what is happening to Fuller back in Mr. The home church is the best church. Well, I, so here's my I'm, thing. I'm, right? I'm being sarcastic. But, but here, I'm being sarcastic. So I guess I'm but. a little gun shy on saying, ah, everybody should be autonomous because that that's one of my biggest things with house church, right? Mm-hmm. Is it, there's no, there's no accountability. There, there's, there's no, accountability. no, there's zero accountability. It's all autonomy and right. zero accountability. And no person is a pastor most of the time in the house churches I've been in. There's never been an elected pastor or an overseer. It's all been, we are all on equal levels and we all share and there's no, there's no vision for, there's nothing, there's nothing. It's all all, we're an autonomous, right? We all make the decisions and everybody's together, but there's also a lot of fighting. And, and I've seen a lot of destruction come from the groups of house churches. Because who's in that the way. elder? Be, well, there's just no, there's no leadership. There's everybody's kind of 
there are leaders in there, but nobody is the leader that is leading the direction and the doctrinal and the checking. Not, they don't have to preach or teach every Sunday, but they're, they're checking against everything, and there's no accountability outside of that group. So that, uh, that group could be very, very um, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, clickish? No, not clickish. They could not be following the correct truths. I don't. There's a word for it, but I'm not thinking of it right now. Uh, heretics well they could be following heresies and stuff like that and and be blinded by it and not even notice it Mm. but because there's none of that that back and forth with others or that accountability with somebody over them or brothers amongst them they would never see it it's a blind spot to them so so what i'm hearing you say is is the accountability between the different churches is actually a good thing yes but now this is where it gets hard with today's culture of you have the Wesleyan movement, you have the Methodists, mm-hmm, you got mm-hmm. the Baptist, Southern Baptist, Independent Fundamental, we're the only ones going to Heaven Baptist Church, American Baptist Church. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's, shoot, GARB, General Assembly of Regular Baptist yep, Churches, yep, there's yep, Christian yep. Missionary Alliance, there's Missionary Church Movement, there's Lutheran, First English. Nazarene. Nazarene, but there's a different sects inside yep, of that. Yep, so yep. all of a sudden, it's like, uh, it, it splinters off in all these different things. And then sure. that's when the Catholics step in and say, that's right, you fools. Like, that's why we've been trying to protect the doctrine to be one holy holy Catholic mm-hmm. church we're supposed mm-hmm. to do. So we have all these different splinter groups and, and we're not here to talk about that conversation, but what I'm hearing you say is for you personally, you like the idea of the fact of there should be some, and I don't want to use the word corporate. I would want to use the word. There's accountability and authority and structure of yes. there's churches that are submitting themselves to a, not just a group of individuals, but those individuals who are trying to hold true the teachings of the scriptures Correct. and of the apostles and of Jesus. Correct. Just right? like we see in the Jerusalem Council. So, but with the individualized local church, this is where I've heard a lot of people argue. I mean, I remember people talking about arguing the fact of we shouldn't have a student ministry at Southside. Like, mm. like there shouldn't be a youth group where you guys meet at this different times and all these different siloed off ministries. And as churches get bigger, the ministry silos get even tighter and bigger and they become their own little local bodies. So is that like, like, you know, we see that in a, a denominational level where yes, we are doing authority to the elders. Some people would argue like, no dude, we should like, like, like Southern Baptists don't say no, the committee, the committee, the committee isn't the authority. The Bible is the authority. So there's, correct, bo- correct. so the SBC is actually a bottom up led organization, not a Methodist correct. Presbyterian Catholic top, down right. organization, right. so there is still structure. But, but to what it. is the purpose of the committee to to maintain order and structure? Right, right. So even though it's a bottom up, right, it still maintains order. So where I'm going with that is in the local church as a local body grows. Yep. Is it bad to then put in systems and policies and procedures in ministries where you have the elders and then support staff and then maybe support staff for the support staff, where you have these big budgets and buildings and ministries? And you can do some banging things for the community that you can only really do if you are that large of a church to pull something mm-hmm. off like that. Mm-hmm. Or you just, you know, get all churches to gather together and do it. But that's, that's sometimes proven to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Is it a bad thing where we have actually set up these structures and policies and procedures and we've become too much like a quote unquote business or have businesses learn how the church do it? No. And it's not the church has become too corporatized. It's the fact of no corporations have become very churchy. No, if you know what I'm saying, like, uh, like, like I would, I, I would, well I would that question? yeah, I would disagree with that that statement. That well, I asked the question. Yeah, okay, I, I, okay, I'll disagree with that. Sorry, question. I asked the question. <laughs> well, I'm not making the it, statement. It sounded like a statement, so uh, no, I would. I have say, an opinion. I'll say my opinion in a second. I would say that um, the church should not look like a business. I I, I do not 
But I thought you just said you need the structure and the I think you, I the think yeah, I th there is, but it doesn't. Okay. A business has a boss, right? Okay. Um, I see where you're going. I see where there, you're going. There's there's things under it. There's workers under it, but they always have to report to a boss, and the boss is the final say on everything. And though I agree with it semi, right? So scripture is is the words of God, and God is our final authority on everything. Mm -hmm. um, I would say if you're just a worker in a business-type structure of church, you show up to church on Sunday to check off that you were there in attendance policy. The and then you're, like, yeah, you're a consumer. It, it, there's producers and there's consumers yeah, in a business world. 100%. And so, and, and so I, I say you, you lose that relationship. You lose that tribal relational attitude out of a church when you get to that point. I will say there's something to be said about just sitting in there's seasons for sitting mm -hmm. and there's sitting like there's seasons for intake. But, but and, sitting does not mean not relational. You know what I mean? Oh, like, like, like the idea of like, like, like for example, like right now at new life, we're not involved in any ministry in terms of leading or sure, serving. Sure. Cause we just can't like we've but tried you can belong right like beth, oh, but we have friends beth, beth has done small groups exactly I, we make sure we get to we, well we don't always get church early but we always stay stupid late chatting with people and sure. connecting and, and that's and fellowship right? and having those relationships and trying to build and we're inviting people over we're trying to we're trying to make those connections yeah. absolutely and i think it, in a business set mindset there you, isn't you, that. you lose that and so i though i think that structure is good i think if structure overtakes relationships it's bad Okay. So there's a good and bad. It's like drinking water, right? Water is really good for you to drink. Until you drink too much. If you drink too much, you drown. Yep. And Twinkies. If you eat a Twinkie, so, it's a good thing. So God is much, a God of order and structure, but there is it. a, that's why I said there's, there's two extremes and there's a balance, right? right. There's a uh, too much structure and too little structure and both are bad. And you got to find the balance of the two to where you can leave openness for the leading of the Holy Spirit in some aspects. Mm-hmm. But structure, so you don't get chaos in the other aspect, right? And th and there's a fine. It's not even that. It's actually it's a pretty good size balance. It it can, you can kind of do this a little bit, you know, crossing ways and paths a little bit into in between. Uh, but I think if you go to either extreme, you're gonna find uh, you're losing something, right? If you're if you're too loosey goosey, you're probably gonna find find that. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of chaos in the church. Mm -hmm. And if you're too strict, you're going to find a bunch of rigid, non-relational people. In the right. Church. And the thing that I want to make sure people are careful of is just because a church seems a little flashy in the worship service, it doesn't make them a consumer and they're trying to create a product. Cause I do honestly goodness think there are a lot of creative people out there who are able to worship and grow in those environments with the music, with the style, okay. with the teaching style, and they're involved in small groups. They're you know leading kids men. They're not, or they're teaching in kids men. They're they're doing the same things all the other churches. There's no difference between congregation like you know hymns with big choirs and a piano and a pastor standing at a big old boat of a pulpit preaching than there is as a pastor who has a you know music stand and the band plays phenomenally well with all the different instruments and it's a different style. I think that's a stylistic because I think the big churches, whether you're traditional or quote unquote, I'll just say modern for lack of a better word, modern versus traditional. I think both serve their own distinct purposes and they're both the same and both can produce a consumer producer mindset. Like I honest to goodness feel like a John MacArthur church, a John Piper church or Mark Dever church can have just as many consumers in it sure. as does a Granger community. 100%. As does a, 
I don't know, elevation 100%. as does uh, I'd agree with Willow that. Creek Life Church. But the question is, is what are we trying to do? And there are well, churches that it goes, it goes, are so focused on one or the other that it can be you know, detrimental to both. I think to lean into that, though, it goes, okay. it goes a little bit beyond about what you're just seeing, but what is the heart behind it? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the rubber meets the road. Right, so if you're doing it because you're just wanting to, worship. to be relevant, because like because like Granger has no problem dropping secular songs in every single worship set. Again, they'll do it every the, time. The one and we're time, not just beating up on Granger. That's no, just the one. The, the our context that we know. The, the last time I went, they dropped the "Hello from the Other Side" by Adele. By Adele, and I'm sitting I here mean, going, dude, "I've heard how, him do Imagine Dragons, NF, but that's my the thing. Beatles." So how does this? I mean, so so Life Church at the movies, they do this whole at the movie series where they talk about all these different movies and they pull gospel principles out of it. And they do a lot of really unique, cool, but, creative things. But what purpose of pre, what's the again? What's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of the gathering of the body? It's for the uplifting, edification, and glorifying God, right? So here's, I guess, because I don't want to go too long because we're, we're we're getting yeah, close to the sure, hour and a half sure, mark. Sure. So I guess here's my two questions to end the show. This is just straight up conversation. This ain't teaching. Conversation one, or question number one to end the show is. What would a quote unquote successful church look like? Okay. Mm-hmm. And number two, how can churches keep the main thing the main thing? Okay. If that makes sense. So what make what should define a success for the church and how does a church keep the main thing the main thing? All right. So repeat question one and then don't say question two and hold on to question two because I'll come back to it or else I'm gonna get confused here. So you're saying question one is what what makes a church successful? Yes. Is that, am I getting that? That's okay. it. What's, what's, what would be a good definition of success in the church? I would say depth and relationship between not only people, but God. And I would say uh, doctrinal truth within that and what that looks like. So you can have good relationships and be like, this is my homeboy. And we go out and get drunk every day. That's not, and that's not a good relationship. That's an unhealthy But is that up to the church or is that up to the people inside the church? Well, I think it's both. And I think you said what, what constitutes a healthy church? Okay. 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 Right? Yep. So okay. I'm digging that's into fair. what's that's a fair. healthy church, right? Yep. Um, I would say that if you follow the two principles that, that Christ himself set forth, that's what's going to constitute the healthy church. And that's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? And, and in those two, all the rest of the commandments are fulfilled. So if that's the focus of that church and it's seen throughout the church and in the body. If you love God, you're going to you're going to love others and if you love God, you're going to teach his word truthfully and honestly and and try to stick to as close as the truth is humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And you're going to love others unconditionally and you're going to you know a soft word turns away wrath and uh, love covers a multitude of sins and you're going to see this in the in the corporate gathering you will see this and outside of the corporate gathering in the people individuals lives you will see this mm-hmm. and i think that's what constitute a healthy church okay and then second question was how do we keep the main thing the main thing and then i'll answer both these questions myself okay and so i would say my opinion on how do you keep the main thing the main thing is keep christ at the center if you focus on Christ and not the flashiness or not the lack of flashiness or um, how many the number of people or how little people, if, if you're focused on that, you're not keeping the main thing the main thing. If you're focusing on Christ and how, what Christ would have you do and, what, and follow him in the direction he leads, I think you'll be all right. That's where I'm at. You know, so what defines a successful church? It's hard because, you know, I'm, I'm a marketing guy. That's sure. what I do. Sure. I, de- I develop websites and systems for churches all the time in schools. Um, 
And so I talk with a lot of different churches. And what I found is that generally speaking, most of the large churches do the same things. And what they tend to do is they have a very well done worship service, a friendly environment, and they genuinely try to reach out and serve their community. That's kind of what the three things that they do. I'm not saying that's successful. I'm just saying that's what tends to be for those churches. But when I say what makes a successful church, I think a lot of it goes back to Acts 2.42, where they gather together, they study the teaching of the apostles, they devote themselves to the fellowship and the prayers, and the Lord added to their numbers daily. And so that's why I always taught, you know, you're supposed to know God, be connected, be transformed. And because we can't go out and, save people. We can't go out and transform the world, but if we ourselves are being transformed, we can't help but do the good works. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone has an unbridled tongue, their religion is dead. If you're not taking care of the, those who can't take care of themselves, your, your, your faith is useless is what Mm -hmm. it says. And Mm -hmm. so when you say what's a successful church, I don't, I don't think you can say they got a banging worship service. They can't carry you in the bucket. They got an amazing pastor who can speak amazing. Their pastor ain't so great because there's different gifts and different abilities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But a successful church, and I'm kind of chewing this out because I don't even have notes for this either. Sure, sure. I would say a successful church, A, teaches Jesus. Now, I'm also one where I'm okay with topical style sermons. Mm-hmm but they better be grounded in the Bible, not mm-hmm. just like, here's a bunch of different verses. Like we're going through something called power principles for powerful living. And it all points back to the fact of the powerful living comes from a powerful God. Like it, mm-hmm. like every sermon pastor, Michael is like, no, it all goes back to Jesus. It ain't you boss. Like, mm-hmm. and so I think the biggest thing is, is the gospel being preached? The good news of Jesus mm-hmm. is Jesus being preached. Can the church articulate the gospel? I would think that would be a healthy church too. Is, is the gospel being t- preached? Can the church articulate the gospel and is the church serving one another? Mm -hmm. Now, I do think that there's a lot of different churches that have different ministries and different styles and whatever. And I think that's, that's fine because I do think the fact of a deacon was set up because the church was screwing up. Mm -hmm. There was a need. And so the disciples said, here's how you're going to fill that need Mm -hmm. as a church. We can say, okay, we have this need. Here's how we're going to fill this need. We're going to do a food pantry. Mm -hmm. Here's this need. Oh, we're going to run a children's program. Mm -hmm. We're going to run a young adult ministry. We're going to run a this, we're going to have a this and not have ministries for sake of ministries, but it's because it's solving a purpose because they're trying to take care of a need. They're trying to take care of a need in order to do what? Love their neighbor as Mm -hmm. themselves Mm -hmm. and to to take care of their people. So Mm -hmm. if Jesus is being preached, their people can, can also articulate the gospel and they are taking care of one another. I don't care how that looks like. That is a successful church to me because the church is the gathering of the called out ones. So again, study the teachings of the faith to proclaim God's name, to do good works and ultimately hopefully be a light, that's shining on a hill. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's why I talk about, you know, a small church, are they even impacting anything if they're not a city, like a light on a hill and showing their, their light, but they can do that personally. They can do that corporately. They can do that in so many different ways. So that's why I didn't say that was one reason of a successful church is the mm-hmm. whole the community knows who they are. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a fair question that churches need to ask is if our church was to disappear right now, would our community even notice? Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair question to ask. Like if Southside have just poofed, would the community be hurt by the fact that the Christians are not in that? But would the, the church? Would the church? Would Southside poof? Because what is the church? The church is the people gathering together. So Southside is just a name, right? Of that gathering, right? So they, they, it's impossible for the church to poof because each individual person is a member of the church. Mm-hmm. But 
church in itself is a corporate worldwide brothers and sisters. We are the church. We are just a subset of the church. Mm -hmm. So the church will never poof. Southside, the name Southside may poof. But would those but would that neighborhood think, be hurt because that but I don't, local gathering of believers I, moved and went I don't somewhere know. else? I don't know. I can't speculate you know? on that. What I'm saying is that being the light on the hill, the church is the people. So Southside goes, no. I don't think it'd be greatly noticed from a name standpoint, but I think it'd be greatly noticed if all the people from Southside left the community. And, that, and that's what I'm saying. And that's more so what so I'm saying. Big or but, small, I don't think but, it matters. But if we have to call it what it is, you know, that church is there on that corner for a reason. And so I I think if a church leaves and the community is like, oh, whatever, we didn't need them anyways, I don't think that church was doing its job loving its neighbors around in their community. That's my opinion. Yeah. That's I, my opinion on that one. That's, yeah, I mean, that's good speculation, but I mean, that, there's no proof behind it, right? But I mean, in my opinion. But you would hope that the church is stepping up and doing things, to taking care of one another. Well, again, that's why I said successful is loving your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Pretty much everybody. So, I mean, that's, and, I, and so, I, would, I would agree in that aspect, right? So, so last question is then how does the church keep the main thing, the main thing? Um, this is one that we've talked about a lot in other episodes. And I think the church does not do it enough. And number one is we make baptism a big thing of not just like, oh, we have to have a baptism service, but boom, cool, that's done. But it's the fact of like, no, let's celebrate these baptisms. And then I think churches need to focus on the communion table more, the Lord's Supper more. And how is that keeping the main thing the main thing? Keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. You know, because the yeah. fact of what, what did Jesus say? Every time you come together, mm-hmm. do this mm-hmm. in remembrance of me. Mm-hmm. We don't do that enough in some churches, you know, like I, like I know Presbyterians and a lot of other, I would quote unquote, say high churches, they do communion every single week. Mm-hmm. And that's the center pinnacle of their worship service mm-hmm. is the fact of everything points to the table of why do we do this? Because this is who Jesus is. This right. is what the truth is. Mm-hmm. And we need to remember what Jesus did and that Jesus is coming back. And it's a, re- it's a reminder. It's kind of like, um, you know, when, when the Israelites crossed over the Jordan, they put up the the, the the twelve stones, and that wasn't supposed to be some weird sacrificial altar of like, hey, look what our hey hey look what this does. This thing gives us the power, but in reality, what does it do? It's remember, here's what God did. So therefore, let's go do it. Let's mm-hmm. let's get after mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And so, communion and baptism do those things, and we get to celebrate. That's why I love Advent. Those by the way, the Advent. Oh, That's dude, I absolutely, Advent. I love Advent <laughs> season. But for Easter season and for all these different things, so yep. how do we keep yep. the main things the main thing? Is the fact that we keep Jesus at the center of our worship, and I think communion just helps us do that. So that's, that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of, I think children's worship, Sunday school, all these pro- programs help us keep Christ at the center. So I would agree with you. And, and I like it because every time we do communion, the kids ask the questions of why are we yeah. doing this? Now, you know? I mean, there might be churches where they can't do it, and that's fine too. And so, I mean, just keep Christ the main thing, the main thing in whatever way you can. Yeah, absolutely. So did we really give you guys answers to this episode or not? I don't know, but it was a dang good conversation. <laughs> that's for fun. sure. <laughs> so let's have some fun facts with Fuller and get this thing over with, huh? Sounds let's good. go. Time for Fun Facts with <laughs> Well, All right, bro, my dude. We missed the 10 o'clock feeding, but well, we're going to try to get you home I was just looking, Beth just said, okay, well, he won't be ready at 10. It'll probably be 1130. Perfect. You got plenty of time. We'll make sure you get home by then. But anyways, today's fun fact. Uh, did you know Tic Tacs got their name from the sound that they make? Really? Yep. Ever shook a Tic Tac? Tick tock, tick tock, tick 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 tick
Ever shook a Tic Tac container out of boredom? You'd be surprised to know that the name Tic Tac comes from the Tic-ing and Tac-ing sound that the candies make when they're tossed around in their container. Really? I did not know that. Tic Tac, Tic Tac. It's kind of like Pop Rocks. Pop Rocks have the name because they're little rocks that pop. Oh, I love Dude, rock pops. Back in the day, pop rocks. But were TikTok's currency for you guys back in the you, day too? You just said TikToks. TikTok. TikTok. See what you happens? know? What generation I'm in? See what happened? Uh, I did the same thing. But for TikTok, but but TikTok used to be currency, oh, bro. Man, I tell you what, man, it's like the all right, orange, I'll trade. man. If you got some orange TikTok, if you give mm. me that Matchbox car, I'll give you four TikToks. Dude, man. Like, uh, 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 what 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 was the other candy with the dispenser? Pez. Pez. Oh, Pez. my kids love the Pez. Oh, dude, we Pez have all sorts of Pez, man. And Tic Tacs and gum were like legendary currency the, in first the grade. Zebra gum. Remember, you remember the when zebra? things were so you know innocent and just the nineties? Man, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, simple. Back when the days were Here we simple. Go. Baby bottle pop. Baby, baby bottle pop. <laughs> my kids still love baby oh, my bottle kids pops. Do too. But you know what else are my kids love? What's that? They actually love this podcast, which I'm what? hoping you guys love this podcast as well. And so if you do enjoy the podcast, make sure you leave a rating review anywhere you listen. Spotify, leave a rating. Apple Podcast, leave us that rating review or we can read it here on the show and get a mini swag bag in the mail for you. And if you haven't already, go check us out on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. The scrub button. We're gonna the make it, guys. We're gonna button. make it. We're almost there. I can see the finish line falling. And the bell notification. So when we are on, you know we are there. And to continue the conversation offline, make sure you yes, check us out on socials, Instagram and Facebook. But where it's at is the Facebook online RTC community. So make sure you check that out. Join, answer a few questions. It's really like five questions. You just say yup, 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 yup. And you are instantly in where we can continue having conversations where, hey, maybe you have a question about your faith that you've always wanted other Christians input on. Because again, we talk about what is the church? It's the gathering of the saints. We're not a church by any first stretch of the imagination, but we can come together and encourage and equip one another and maybe get some of your Heck questions yeah. answered there inside of the group or you can maybe even ask us to ask us ask us a question that we can answer on the show sure whole lot of fun stuff but either way guys we love you guys we are thankful for you check us out anywhere you can find the online social stuff i'm rambling right now so i'm yeah, just gonna toss are. back over to you buddy so until next time take it easy